0: thank you praise team for that good job and let me thank those who worked in the vacation bible school i uh, at my age i still have fond memories of vacation bible school at the jasper spring baptist church in savannah georgia to show you how times have changed i remember one time i was just a little kid and the pastor, we then we served grape Kool-Aid and cookies. I don't know if it's changed or not, but the pastor had to go into the city. It's about three or four miles away, and he asked me to ride in the car with him, and I was delighted. I thought I was one of the chosen. And so when I was at Franklin Heights, and this was probably in the late '60s, or early '70s, I had to go to Ferrum for something, and there were some young men standing out there, and. They were maybe 10 or 12 years old, and I said, would you all like to ride with me? And everyone said yes, except one young man, and he looked at me. He said, do you have air conditioning in your car? (laughs) Certainly not one of the great generation. (laughs) Let me ask you to turn to one of the great hymns and Psalms, Psalms 23, Psalms 23, I know you've heard a number of sermons on Psalms 23, but let me say that it is like a gold mine, it, when, the more you dig into the psalm, you can glean from it some great spiritual truth. It has been called the hope diamond of the book of Psalms, of the crown jewels. But there is a problem or two with this psalm. One is that you remember when we used to put our hands over our hearts in school, we would pledge allegiance to the flag and we would go through the words, but we wouldn't think much about the meaning of the words. I think it's kind of like that with Psalms 25. After we lost our son, I remember how pledge of allegiance meant a, a whole lot more to me as we talked about uh, God's grace and mercy. Let me say also that you and I live in a digital age. Some of us are not up to date in all the technology, as you know, but uh, we, we have artificial intelligence, we have robots, and we have smartphones. And this particular psalm, as most of the psalms are rooted and agriculture of the Middle East over 2,000 years ago. And so that's another problem. I've known teachers, I've known attorneys, I've known two professional major league uh, ball players, one in the NFL and one in the uh, uh, baseball, whatever, the major leagues. But I've never known a shepherd. Never met a shepherd. I'm sure there's some around somewhere, but you don't, I, I never have read in the want ads for a shepherd. But here, David is saying to us as I reflect back, and we're not all sure when he wrote this psalm. Some scholars say that he wrote it as a young man. I have a tendency to believe that he wrote it as an older adult as he looked back over his life and his relationship to God, and remember the Bible says, even though David was a sinner like us all, David was a man after God's own heart. And I think that he reflects back over how God had dealt with him, and he comes to the conclusion that in my relationship with God, he has been like a shepherd. Now remember David had been a shepherd and shepherds were very common in that day. You remember even in the New Testament, Jesus plugged into that idea in John chapter 10 when he said, I am the good shepherd. And so we want to look at the first few verses and David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The personal pronouns occur 22 times in these six verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he says this, he switches to something that we think of occasionally. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What we have here, I believe, is a powerful word picture, often In Hebrew and certainly in Greek, the writers had the ability to paint pictures and words to give us insight into the God that we worship. And in fact, here David is saying that the Lord and the Hebrew word there is Yahweh. Let me say something about that name now. The, The word that we use most often is Jehovah. But the word Yahweh, the Hebrew word, actually Jehovah is a Latinization of the Hebrew word Yahweh. And it was such a sacred name to the ancient Jewish worshiping community that they would not speak that word. Now they would write it, but let me tell you, and I have read this and uh, before, and this is not something I got off of Google, that they, when, when they would get to the word Yahweh, they would use a brand new quill, the copyist, and they would have a fresh supply of ink. And every time the word Yahweh appeared, they, could, they would not speak that word, but they would write it in copying it and every time use a new quill and a new uh, reservoir of ink. And you say, well... Isn't that being extreme in terms of tradition? Maybe so. But don't you believe that you and I live in an age when we are somewhat flippant with the name of the Lord? I've heard people use it so flippantly you offer them a piece of chewing gum, praise God. Well, you know, I think we ought to be more careful than that because. David is saying, I I reflect back over my life and the relationship that I had with the God that I tried to serve, He was like a shepherd to me. And if you knew what the relationship was in the ancient uh, Middle East between a, a shepherd and his sheep, then those words would resonate more with each other because there is no comparison. I I had two or three men in our church who were uh, dairy farmers, and I I was surprised that they they would know the cows from each other. They didn't all give them names, but they, they knew the cows. But the relationship between a shepherd of the Middle East in the Old Testament was one of intimacy, and this is what David is trying to say The intimacy the shepherd had, knowing his sheep, leading his sheep, protecting his sheep, well, that's the kind of relationship I have with the Lord. And so he says, Yahweh, or Jehovah, is like a shepherd to me. In other words, we today need to understand that God circled His name in one of the Ten Commandments. And he said, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And I, I believe that covers more ground than just using God's name as a cuss word. That's tragic in itself. But I, I believe in today that we, we have a tendency to be too flippant in the use of the Lord's name. And, and though they may have gone too far in one direction, we have maybe gone too far in the other direction. And so David says, The Lord is my shepherd. As he looks back over the years, the Lord is like a shepherd. He he didn't say God is like a judge, although ultimately God is a judge. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment, the Bible says... He did not even refer to God as a sovereign king, although he is king of kings and lord of lords. He says, no, he did not even call him the rock. And the word rock referring to God, he is the very foundation of our lives. But he said, he is my shepherd. Not he is not a sovereign God. he is all of these things, but... For David, in this point in time, he is saying, I want you to know that that relationship is like a shepherd because he cared for me. He led me. You remember when he faced Goliath, it was the Lord who led him not to take the armament of Saul but to go before that giant of a man and... With a sling and stone, slay him in the name of the Lord. He protected me when Saul or or when Goliath came. And when I sinned with Bathsheba, it was the Lord who sought me out. And you remember in Psalm 51, we have the great confessional of David after he had grievously sinned with Bathsheba. And it was the mercy of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Aren't you glad today that God forgives us? Because we all need forgiveness. However far along you, you are in the Christian life, you're, you're never too far along. You, you've never grown so much that we do not constantly need the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. And so he he is saying that the shepherd to me is one who protects me, who one who seeks me. The shepherd of of, of David, led and protected and salt. And remember when Jesus in John fourteen ten, he he seems to kind of plug in. Maybe that's not the the, the way to put it, but. He says in in John 10, 14, he said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Folks, we're living in a time where a lot of people know the shepherd's song, but they do not know the shepherd that the psalmist talking about. Does that make sense to you? In other words, we, we, we have this general knowledge and, and, and people who who are not even believers, they, they, they know maybe even how to recite the 23rd Psalm, but they do not know the shepherd that the psalm is talking about. And so the Lord, in trying to describe who He was, He said, I, I am the good shepherd. Have you ever wondered why the Lord said, I am the good shepherd? Because... And that day, and I guess in today, not every shepherd was a good shepherd. Some was in it just for the money. Some did not protect the sheep. Some would not do what needed to be done in order to have a good, healthy flock of sheep or herd of sheep. And so David is saying that the Lord is my shepherd and, and Jesus saying to those who listened to him, those disciples, I, I want you to know I am the, the good shepherd. And then he said, the good shepherd, listen to this, this is in John 10, 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And That is precisely what the cross is about. The one who hung on the cross was the shepherd. The one to, about whom David spoke was the shepherd. And you remember Jesus says, I and the Father are one. What we have in the Old Testament is God the Father, who is a shepherd to David. What we have in the New Testament is God the Son, who said, I will lay down my life for the sheep. And a good shepherd was willing to lay his life down and to protect his sheep. Herd or flock or whatever a group of sheep are called. And but often you remember David even referred to that when he spoke to, um, to Saul about his ability to meet Goliath, the giant. He had protected his sheep from the wolves. And so here we have our Lord saying that I am the, the, the good shepherd, the good shepherd who is willing to go to the ultimate and give His life for the sheep. But it was the death of Christ and the blood of Christ that enables us to know the shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. Because until we have gone to the cross, until we have been to Jesus for the cleansing blood, until we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, there is no real relationship to the shepherd. And folks, I don't want to get too excited here, but I'm afraid there are a lot of people in a lot of churches know how to recite the psalm, but they have no relationship to the shepherd. I wonder in eternity as, we stand before God in judgment how many people who are on the roll of the church and have been dunked into the water but never have come to a place of repentance and have been to Jesus for the cleansing power. And So the question is, are, are, are we washed in the blood of the Lamb? What we have here is not only a powerful word picture but... We have a wonderful promise and he says there, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, the, the word want is a, is a tricky word here because in, in our English concept, uh, you know, we have a lot of wants. We want this and we want that, but that is not the way the word want is, is meant here. Actually, a better word is, it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything, L-A-C-K. Because, you know, I may want a Mercedes. I may want a house with 4,000, well, I really don't want that, because we may want a lot of stuff that we don't need. But here the psalmist is saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will not lack anything that I really need. And it is the promise of God, both in Old and New Testament, that He does not always give us what we want, but He has promised to give us what we need. And folks, the greatest need in the world today is to know Jesus as your Savior. Uh, we, we have a lot of problems. You know that, I know that. I uh, I have Dr. Amos's funeral <clears> on <throat> Wednesday, so I may not get my sermon outline printed. Don't fire me if I don't get it in. I don't even know what I'm going to preach next Sunday, but I, I know this that the greatest need in a world today that we live in is not more politics. God help us. What we need is to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I'm the the good shepherd and and I'll supply every need that you have. And and one of the greatest needs is is when we come down to the end of the way he said, he said, "I, I shall not want, and then he talks about, he As a sheep, you see now, David is speaking from the perspective of being a sheep. And the Lord is his shepherd. And he says, I'm not going to lack anything. And my shepherd lets me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he provides what I need. He provides food for me. And, And folks, the Bible is God's food for his people. That's the reason I encourage you not to be so busy that you can't have time to read the Word of God. Not a day goes by that as a Christian that I, I do not look at the Word of God and, and ask, Lord, what will, you, what will you give me today? What food will you have for me? You know, we, we always eat physical food every day. Why should not those of us who know the shepherd Seek the spiritual food of God's word. He says, he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to quiet waters. and He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. And then he, then he changes here. There, there, there's a shift. And, and, and he, he talks about something that we often don't like to talk about. And even though I walk, and he did not say if I walk, and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil at my age, I, I told my wife the other day, I'm, I'm losing a lot of my friends. I, Dr. Amos and I were dear friends. We would eat together, pray together, rode around together, talk about things. And I've had like five or six funerals in the last couple of months. And a lot of us, I'm no different than you are, are, are friends, people that we love, maybe members of our family. And every funeral is a reminder that, that one day, regardless, we must, unless Jesus comes, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, when, and, and what is so wonderful about this, what we, as a Christian, we don't remain in the, valley. We walk through the valley. And and did you know that in John chapter 11, Jesus in John 10 is the good shepherd. In chapter 11, he talks about the resurrection. And Jesus says that he that believeth in me. He was talking to Martha. Now, Martha was kind of like a lot of us. Martha was not like Mary. She she got troubled. Martha did about a lot of things. She wanted everything to be right. And and, and, and Mary seemed to know that the best thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Martha, she busied herself. And in chapter 11, he, he was talking to Martha. And... He said, Martha, he said, I am um, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he, he shall never die. And then he said this, Martha, do you believe that? And that's a good question. Do we really believe that when we walk into the valley of the shadow of death by the mercy of God? We have, we will not die. we will begin to live forever in the presence of God. And I, I, I believe that when I was 27 year old preaching like a madman. And I believe it now at almost 84 years of age, because I'll be going home soon and this means something to me, even though I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't have to fear evil. Why? Because God, who is my shepherd, is with me. And we walk through the valley, praise God, into the presence of Jesus Christ. Boy, if we were not Baptists, we'd be happy. Yeah. I had a preacher friend of mine, <laughs> he was a Pentecostal holiness, and he loved the Lord. He just loved the Lord. He loved the Lord. I loved the Lord. We didn't talk about those controversial things, but he said to me one time, Brother Larry, in my, in my church, we don't care how loud they shout or how high they jump as long as they walk straight when they hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to walk straight. <clears throat> And here as I hurry on, he is, he is saying, and he's not saying that I won't face difficulty. We do. Some of you face difficulty. I face, all of us. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us man is born into trouble. Doesn't mean everything is hunkadory and we don't get sick. We do get sick. We lose loved ones. Folks, life is tough. And that is the reason that we need to follow the shepherd. I don't know what people do sometimes. David is saying that because the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to be content. David was content. Joseph had a lot of problems, but the Lord was his shepherd. Paul suffered setbacks and he was whipped and he was put in prison. But he knew the Lord as his shepherd Today, today in Nigeria. The, 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 the secular press will never report this. But today in Nigeria, Christians are being killed simply because they're followers of Christ. Life can be tough. That is the reason we need to know the shepherd of Psalm 23. Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance." And in my old age, I've asked the Lord, Lord, help me to to be a contented person. Folks, I've met some folks who are cantankerous. There's a lady in town. Every time I run into her, if I see her coming, I go the other way. (laughs) She's going to complain about anything she can think of. We have so much to be thankful for. We have a home. We can drive a car. We can buy food at the market. Oh, folks, we've got a lot to be thankful for. We need to be content. Am I being too hard on you? No, I don't think so. Then I want to finish up. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I I don't have time to, to, to go through all the intimate things a shepherd would do. Time will not permit it. But I want to give you an illustration, I want to close with this. I went to seminary in the early 70s and we had a godly professor. He was a recognized scholar in the Old Testament. And um, his name was Dr. Leo Green. He had taught at Southern Seminary and then he came to teach at Southeastern where I graduated at Wake Forest and and, he, and, and, and I was in his office one day, and he said, Larry, we need to pray for revival on this campus. I remember he was lecturing one day and talking about the 23rd Psalm. And, and I don't know if it was one of his students he taught, because he was an old, a pretty old man then, and, but he, he talked about before one of the chaplains, young chaplain before... Uh, they went into the beaches in Normandy, and I don't know which beach it was or anything, but it was on D-Day, and, and the chaplain was trying to, to share the gospel with those young 18, 19, 20-year-old men. And it, and he said, uh, I want you to remember the Bible says, the Lord is, the Lord, the Lord is my, and he put his hand around the ring finger. And he said, if you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to know the, the shepherd in a personal way, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, then and pray the prayer, the Lord is my ring finger, my shepherd. And Dr. Green said that when the medics went through after, and I don't know what beach it was, there were several of those young men in death had laid hold of their ring finger. Folks, what else do we have when we die? Knowing Jesus to me is the most important thing you'll ever do. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you, Lord, to minister to us. Lord, you're our shepherd. We shall not lack any good thing. Doesn't mean we won't hurt. Don't mean we won't lose loved ones. Don't mean that things that we wish wouldn't happen, happen, they do. But through it all, the Lord is our shepherd. We praise your holy name, in Christ's name, amen.